I envision a future where provenance is so easy to add, you know, whether it's in Photoshop or on your mobile phone. And by the way, this shouldn't be in every mobile app and website. It should be pushed down to the metal. It should be in operating systems and browsers and phone hardware, right? As securely as possible and available via API to anybody who wants to add or read provenance data. If you're a tech leader looking to learn today's best practices for leading high-functioning teams, you're in the right spot. In each episode, we learn from today's top tech leaders as they share their successes, their failures, and their lessons learned along the way. I'm Debbie Madden, and this is the Scaling Tech Podcast, your blueprint for scaling tech teams. Let's dive in. Hey, everyone. Today, we are digging into a very timely, very important topic, truth versus lies when it comes to content authenticity. We're talking with Andy Parsons, who is the Senior Director of Adobe's Content Authenticity Initiative. Hey, Andy, thanks for being on Scaling Tech today. Thanks, Debbie. It's a pleasure to be here. So before we jump in with the questions, which there are many, um, everyone, I just want to tell you a little bit about Andy. So in addition to being the senior director at Adobe uh, for their content authenticity initiative, which we may refer to as CAI throughout this talk, CAI um, creates the open technologies for the future of verifiably authentic content of all kinds. And we all know why this is important, right? Part of which we're really restoring trust, transparency in the media that we consume and experience and put out into the world. Um, in addition, you've also been speaker many places, among them South by Southwest, and quoted in many publications, among them Wired and Axios. And so we're going to jump in. The misconceptions about content authenticity, the misconceptions about content authenticity are changing by the minute. At a time when inauthentic content is on the rise, there's so much we can really focus on. But the first question I have for you is, what do you think, if you can pick the biggest misunderstanding here that tech leaders and tech teams have? Like, where would you say that lies? Yeah. Um, so first of all, I'm super excited to be here, Debbie, and address your audience on this super important topic. I think it's um, really important to get in front of tech leaders to get a fundamental understanding of what this is and to your question, what it isn't. So I think the, if I had to pick one, and there aren't really a lot, there are one or two, but the one that I think um, I'd like to debunk here now is that content authenticity and the technologies underlying it, which we'll talk about, are about detecting truth, right? And there are like kind of two bits to that. One is this, this approach is about what we call provenance. Content authenticity, provenance, um, attempts to prove what's true about a piece of media rather than detect what's false. So rather than detecting and punishing bad actors, this empowers good actors to do something um, that helps democracy and helps uh, helps truth. But it's not a truth detector in that we're not saying, hey, we can prove the veracity of what's depicted in a photo or a video. What we're proving cryptographically, uh, verifiably, is how it was made, whether Photoshop was used, whether Andy Parsons made it, whether it ca actually came from the BBC, if it purports to have come from the BBC. A crystal ball that says this thing you're looking at, it's about trust. And trust is not between computers and cameras. Trust is between humans and, and organizations. Hmm. Okay. So, that, so that's interesting. And so how we, we are, like you said, we are going to dig into this because I think especially for uh, tech leaders and tech teams, it, there is you know, um, uh, scientific, um, uh, curiosity, right? Like how does it, how does this happen and where do we spend our efforts and how close to a hundred percent certain, like, can we get, um, because you know, things are changing so fast, but how do we discern 
truths from lies or non-truth if like the, the 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 goal is to discern truth right how do we tell what is true when you know things can be generated by typing some text into chat gbt and the like and all these yep. other tools that are emerging yeah so our take on this and i think um you know we have a, a broad consortium in the content authenticity initiative of a thousand companies and academics who agree with this perception is um this is about trust again not truth uh and yeah, trust okay. is okay. trust is fomented in media by attaching verifiable metadata to the media itself so if i take an image uh we sometimes think of this as uh, capture, edit, and publish, the kind of three stages of getting something from a camera or a capture device to somebody on social media or a platform like the New York Times. Um, at the capture stage, it's knowable that this was captured by a camera. We use a system of digital signatures and chaining hashes and signatures together. So if any of that trust chain is broken, it's, it, it's detectable. So we call that tamper evident. You can't break these digital signatures without showing evidence that something has been changed. So if a piece of media is changed in transit or after it's received, um, it's knowable cryptographically that something changed after the kind of certifiable provenance was added. And similarly, um, after capturing, you know, somebody goes to edit in Photoshop and many Adobe competitors are implementing this as well. Um, it's possible to know what tools were used in Photoshop if this was a legit, leg legitimate version of Photoshop. Um, and once it's exported from Photoshop, we can even see thumbnails of what it, what went into Photoshop from the camera and what left. Now we all expect creators and all Creative Cloud users to capture that kind of granularity of details and edits, because if you're a creator and you're publishing your stuff or you're an artist, um, that's your secret sauce, right? That's how you make a living. But organizations that are part of our consortium, like the Associated Press and Reuters and AFP and many others, could um, require that their employees and their collaborators turn on provenance at every step of the way. And I think that's very important in news media because just this week, as you probably saw, there was a fake image of, you know, kind of a poorly done deep fake using generative AI of an explosion at the Pentagon in Washington, DC. It was quickly debunked, but it was very clear that there was a um, causation of a market move, a, a pretty significant one for a few minutes. And this is kind of a harbinger of things to come uh, because media can move markets. It can change people's perceptions. It can manipulate politics and human beings in really uh, unfortunate ways. And we're, we're worried about that, uh, as we all should be, especially with the um, upcoming 2024 election. So, you know, the idea that you can trust an organization or a device and understand what something is, to me, is kind of a fundamental human right. If I look at something and I want to know what its context is, no matter where it appears, whether that image from the camera we described appears on Twitter or Mastodon or Blue Sky or The Times or Fox News, if I want a little more context to satisfy myself, maybe before I share it with my Twitter followers, um, I think every one of us should have the right to click on something and understand what this piece of media is and make up our own minds about whether it's trustworthy. So let me, let me make an analogy, and it's not the best one, but just so... I get my question clear. So when I am creating a Google Doc, I can edit it and change it. And you can see the history and you can see where it started and you can see who weighed in. Also, I can turn that Google Doc into a PDF and send it. And the people I send it to don't see that history and they don't know where it came from. So is that, you know, blindness, This that historical blindness, is that possible? Yeah, it's a good question. So, you know, we I envision a future where... Um, Provenance is so easy to add 
you know, whether it's in Photoshop or on your mobile phone. And by the way, this shouldn't be in every mobile app and website. It should be pushed down to the metal. It should be in operating systems and browsers and phone hardware, right? As securely as possible and available via API to anybody who wants to add or read provenance data. Um, but, you know, it's not required that the provenance chain start at the camera. You can start it anywhere. And if I attach my name to it, whether on the Associated Press or Andy Parsons, um, we're going to attach that identity information and responsibility for the media to the bits of the image. But you're trusting me, right? In that case, you're not trusting the camera or Firefly AI that was used to generate it. Um, and if you trust me and your listeners trust you and your viewers trust you, there's this chain of trust that's bolstered by the kind of cryptographic math that underlies all this. But ultimately, um, that trust is between uh, the publisher and the user, the artist and the viewers. Um, and what we do with content on authenticity is enable that. So in the PDF case, yeah, you could you could ship this data out, although we have a, a way to recover it via fingerprinting as well. Um, but moreover, you might not want to share your identity, right? If you're a if you're a photojournalist in Ukraine right now, you almost certainly don't want to share your identity or your location because those things can put you in harm's way. On the other hand, the publisher um, who publishes that image uh, needs to be trustworthy, right? Needs to say, hey, if you trust the New York Times and its sourcing methods and approach to information integrity, then it almost doesn't matter who the photographer is, right? I'm placing my trust in the New York Times and the way it sources material. Um, so that PDF case is possible. But again, if you don't um, publish provenance information, that's your choice. If you're if you're a news organization, we'd expect that over time you would. And if you're an artist who wants to get credit for your work, we also think you would have a verifiable identity saying, hey, I can be pseudonymous. I can be Banksy, provably. I can be Andy Parsons. I can be Debbie Madden. Um, but again, associating who and how with the media, no matter where it goes, is just critically important right now. Yeah. All right. So that leads us, and you had, you had mentioned something a couple of seconds, 30 seconds ago, if you will. Um, but so let's let's get into a little bit deeper um, uh, for folks. Um, so how does the content authenticity initiative approach work? Touched on a little bit of it, but yeah, go into that a little bit more for us. Yeah, there are, there are three tiers that we talk about. So number one, I want to point out that this is a totally open standard. Um, it's based on something that we created with Microsoft and the BBC, um, ARM and Intel and many others called the C2PA, in case the Content Authenticity Initiative wasn't hard enough to say it. This is the Coalition for Content Provenance and Authenticity. And we started this in 2021 um, when my team at Adobe saw that there were a number of important parties kind of hovering around the same idea of saying, look, you know, detection is an arms race and the good guys are likely to lose the kind of AI versus AI detection race to say, hey, that's fake, like removed from Twitter. Um, and again, rather than detecting what might have been faked or changed, let's prove what's true at inception, prove what's uh, what we know about how something was made. So we gather all those parties, uh, the founders of the standards organization. We took this out of the umbrella of Adobe and put it into a nonprofit in the Linux Foundation, which, as your listeners may know, is you know a vaunted um, kind of entity for developing open source and open standards. Um, it has a fast track to other standards organizations like the W3C or ISO. And the idea there was to um, develop in the open, do the work in public with an open membership model, uh, with a small number of individuals and companies who wanted to write this technical spec. Um, and then in parallel, the Content Authenticity Initiative at Adobe has developed open source tooling to develop to, to implement that standard. 
Um, so the way it works is there's a standard. It describes how to attach this information to files and streams. We're even working on a live streaming scenario where for broadcast or even election uh, security, you could have a live broadcast that gets provenance about origin of the media in real time. Again, you know, not to, you know, kind of focus too much on the 2024 election, but we're really as, you know, major political events uh, face us around the world. This is one that we're really focused on. And it's, you know, not much more than a year away at this point. Um, so the way this works is based on that standard, uh, we would encourage people to grab the content authenticity open source from Adobe, but you could build it yourself. There are other options out there. This is the beating heart of the uh, CAI feature in Photoshop and in Premiere Pro and in other Creative Cloud and in Firefly, by the way, our, our Gen AI entry. Um, what happens is when you export from Photoshop or when you press the shutter button on your camera, um, a set of hashes or um, you know, kind of one-way functions are applied to the bits of the image or the video. Um, the, uh, the data that we're trying to collect, like, hey, this is a Leica camera or Nikon Z9 or Photoshop version, whatever, is imbued into this data structure. And it's digitally signed using a standard X509 certificate, which is, you know, off-the-shelf public key infrastructure. Um, it doesn't require blockchain. Uh, we decided to invent the minimal, yeah, we wanted to invent the minimal novel technologies here because in the spirit of broad adoption, it's always a good idea to stick with things that are proven, like decades old PKI. But blockchain can be very useful here, and we probably don't have time to get into the details, but um, love to talk about it. Uh, you know, proof of existence and timestamping are kind of very critical to all this. Um, so signed timestamps, digital signatures, this data packet that gets injected into the file or the stream is kind of how it works. And then Ultimately, you've got this kind of um, layer of open source, uh, open standards in the CTBA, open source from Adobe and the Content Authenticity Initiative. And then among the thousand members of the CAI, you know, hundreds of them are implementing this into mobile apps. There uh, are businesses that are VC funded spinning up around developing provenance and providing provenance services. And at the top, you know, kind of what I would call the the best in breed UI user experience you'll find in Adobe Express and Photoshop and all of our tools. Got it. Got it. And so the, working with other organizations, making this public accessible open source using minimal new technologies, relying on things that have been around for a long time. That is your approach and your kind of philosophy today. And also that's how you're making it as accessible as possible. Now, are these things, are there, you know, globally, are these things all created equal in terms of like, or if you have access to these tools, you're able to use the process um, and the approaches to authenticate and to make trusted content? Or are there, I'm, I'm assuming there's lots of nuances when we get into different parts of the world in terms of what's feasible and what's not feasible. But for, for the most part, you feel that this is working with this consortium, like making this widely available, which I think is critically important. Yeah, I think so. I think there's work to be done. I can't say yeah. we've, we've totally solved it, Debbie, because, you know, when I think about accessibility of the technology, I think about two things. One is how do we work together as a consortium to make sure this shows up on Instagram and you know social media platforms where it really matters? Again, we don't expect everybody at social media like MetaFeed Velocity to click and say, is this real? Is this Do I trust this? Do I trust this? But when you need that information, we want to make sure it's always available to you, whether you're a fact checker or a consumer or whether you're like in news mode on TikTok. 
Um, the other kind of accessibility is accessibility to platforms and developers, right? Many news organizations um, are underfunded, you know, trying to survive um, in this landscape of social media and programmatic moderation that we all live through every day. And we want to make sure that this is accessible to them as well. So whether it's things we have like a Drupal plugin that you just drop into your page or a JavaScript plugin that automatically um, should it see uh, provenance enabled media will just light up something in your browser or a browser plugin that says, hey, while we kind of see the browser ecosystem develop and adopt this, why don't we add a browser plugin so that you can see if there are images or videos or audio files that have provenance data. Um, all kind of on this long multi-year journey towards browser uh, mobile operating system and um, you know integration everywhere. So that second kind of accessibility is all about is all is what open source is all about. Making sure that you don't have to develop a UI from scratch. If you have engineers and you want to build a native experience for provenance in your platform, go for it. Still use open source. But if you don't and you just want to drop in two lines of JavaScript, um, do that. So that's that's what we focus on every day. That's that's interesting because that also, in addition to the, you know, I heard you kind of talk about a few personas, right, of of people that really could take advantage of this, and you're making it easy for multiple personas. So you've got your like underfunded news organization, you've got your, you know, companies that don't want to use open source. You've also got like the future of innovation with all of these startups. I mean, they're not going to take the time to build this stuff from scratch, and they might. Um, if the easier and the more accessible we make it to the next generation of, of companies that are going to spin up, you know, the, the more widely spread the, the, these features will be um, from the ground up in, 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 in tech throughout the world, right? So that, that's also another really interesting place. Like, oh, we could just, you know, go from zero to 80% with a couple lines of code, right? Or from using an open source tool. Yep. And I think that's... Um, that's kind yeah. of behavior changing. Like, how do you get something off the ground, and what what constitute that first um, iteration, that MVP of your product? Now, authenticity can go into MVPs, which is really important. Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out. That's so important, um, and we don't talk enough about it because, you know, just like SSL in the browser, the thing that lights up the the lock icon in your browser. You know, years ago, people did. People in my family did give their social security numbers and credit card numbers over the open web without secure sockets. We would never dream of doing that now, right? We've learned how to recognize phishing attacks in email. Like there's a security consciousness, but if the little lock icon didn't just show up, or if there were five different ways to do that, we would be in trouble. So, you know, one of my um, most challenging and most rewarding parts of what I do at Adobe is to make sure that there's only one way to do this. Like literally, if there are two ways to provide provenance data. And it doesn't have to be this standard. If something better comes along and you know other companies of influence or individuals or academia put, put up something that's easier to adopt, we will gladly you know shed all this effort and adopt that thing. But we think this is the best way to do it. And we think there should be one way to do it. And therefore, it should be as easy as possible. And if it's easy, as easy as possible, to your point, there's no reason not to put it in an MVP. Whatever you put in your MVP will be interoperable with Adobe Tools and TruePic and Microsoft um, and everybody else. So, you know, we're a few years into this and that does seem to be the way things are going. You'll see not only Adobe Firefly adding um, AI transparency via content authenticity, but also uh, Stability made an announcement just a couple of weeks ago saying they also would adopt the standard to provide information about whether something was generated by AI using their platforms or whether a human was involved. 
Nice. I, I really, I really appreciate your philosophy, your guiding principles, because you are very focused on a purpose. And also you are willing to um, not have the best solution, which I think is so important and um, not a topic that comes up in a lot of conversation because people are so focused on their objective and their company's objective. And in this case, there are such you know global ramifications or global you know benefits, right? And so um, Adobe is putting a lot of, of thought and effort and intelligence and effort and also collaborating with other companies and also collaborating with academia. I mean, that I really appreciate that you call that out because it's not about um, being necessarily right. It's about helping the greater collective. Um, and so I really, I really love that, that there's a room for, for that conversation. So I appreciate that. Um, and so you, ju you jumped into AI for a second and um, I don't want to go into too much of a rabbit hole, but you know, um, with with um, AI and LLMs and all of these technologies and and tooling, um, can we use um, AI to detect um, manipulated, fabricated content, right? Images and videos. Um, you know, not only just to to create the raw, but can but can AI be part of the solution? Right? Is that? Um, I'm yeah. assuming the answer is yes, but. <laughs> well, I'm not sure. I think the answer really? is okay. probably no, but, but I'll leave the door okay. open a little okay. bit. Yeah, because um, my concern, and I'm not an AI ML expert by any means, my concern would be we need something deterministic that's 100% comprehensible and explainable in this equation. And if you use AI to detect AI um, anywhere except in very in forensic situations where you're like, you know what algorithm was used, you know how the latent diffusion works and you could detect that, yeah, this particular model was used and that's why we got this unethically generated content or that's how this was made. Um, those are like examining fingerprints or blood spatter at a crime scene and it doesn't scale. Once you get to scale and you have bias in the algorithms that are generating the content, whether it's text or images, and then you add on another equally or more biased algorithm to detect it, it becomes really hard to understand and it becomes a heuristic and a judgment call that we're trusting machines to make rather than um, mathematics and cryptography, which we can always trust. We can understand exactly how it works. If you know Debbie Madden has signed this piece of content, unless somebody has compromised their private key, I know mathematically I can prove that what you say happened, happened. Um, so I think we need to, the most important place to inject like determinism and understanding and full comprehensibility is on um, trust and truth in media. So now, you know, open AI and others, not to say we shouldn't be pursuing detection for these forensic cases, um, but my daughter uses ChatGPT in college. Um, her kind of forward-thinking professors actually encourage it. Um, you know, is it important to detect that ChatGPT was used or to disclose that? Maybe, but I don't think detecting, like by looking at the text and analyzing it statistically is, um, is the path forward. I think we need other ways that are simple to comprehend and fully explainable um, to help us understand what the media actually is. Yeah, no, that's it. That's it. Um, I'm glad I'm glad I falsely assumed and I thank you for clearing that up and it makes perfect sense. Um, and um, and with that, um, I want to kind of end with one question that kind of has two parts in it. Um, so if you could really kind of give us 
you know, what, what else, like one or two more important things that you think tech leaders should really know about content authenticity that we haven't touched on yet? And as part of that, like, how can they help moving forward? Because you, again, it's not, Adobe is doing so much towards this effort. And also uh, the thing I love about tech leaders is, is, is as a group, we are curious. We are, we are um, really um, humble and we want to help and we want to be collaborative. So what should we know and how can we help? Yeah, well, we only touched on like the very top level of how this all works. So if your listeners are interested in learning more, I'd point them to contentauthenticity.org. Um, they can be in touch with the team. We have a Discord channel. So there are ways to sort of passively get involved and learn. So I'd earn anybody who's interested in, you know, this has been a great conversation, but a short conversation. Um, if you want to go to another level, understand what it is, poke holes, talk to me, talk to the team, get involved in the Content Authenticity Initiative. It's free. Um, those 1,300 or, or more members are active to varying degrees. You know, the currency that I'm most interested in people investing is their time. And there are many different ways to get involved and spend time. But it starts with just paying attention, learning. Um, and the second thing I'd say, you know, to dovetail on that is get involved. This only works. The best technology in the world from Adobe or anybody else doesn't work unless it's adopted. And the only way it's going to be adopted is for forward-thinking tech leaders who share the concerns that I think you and I have about society and democracy and truth um, work on this with us. And there are many different ways to do that, which I'm happy to get into further uh, on Discord and, and in other uh, places. But visit contentauthenticity.org, learn about the standard, learn about the open source. Um, you know, we have people issuing PRs against the open source. Um, and I just want to stress again, there's no IP here. There's nothing proprietary um, for this to succeed. It has to be developed fully in public in the open. And therefore it needs great thinkers like your listeners. Yep. I, yeah, I, re I really love that. And we'll also um, uh, have links to those places in the, the notes and, and all the places we post the episode. So it will make it really easy for people to take that next step to learn more. And, um, and, and like you said, I mean, we could talk about this for hours, for days and, and, you know, the rules and, and the game, if you will, is changing all the time. And so this is really, truly just the tip of the iceberg, but we really appreciate you taking the time to educate us, to help us understand just a little bit more about content authenticity. And so Andy, it's been a true pleasure. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you, Debbie. It's been a pleasure for me as well. Hey, take care. Bye-bye. Thanks. Hey, everyone. If you've enjoyed today's episode, remember to subscribe, give it five stars, and more importantly, share it with someone that you think will benefit from listening. And remember, as always, think about the one to two key takeaways that you can apply today to help you and your team achieve your goals. Until then, keep iterating.